0: Of you are ready to go through this little book and be blessed. Amen. righty, we're going to stand, uh, remain standing just to read one verse. There's a lot to cover tonight, and I've really prayed over this. I really pray that God imparts to us wisdom, uh, knowledge, understanding. Most people don't have wisdom on what we're going to be tackling in the next six weeks. And I want to encourage you tonight, don't take the book tonight, don't come back. I'm sowing the book into your life so that you will go through this for six weeks because it will change you. The Word of God will change you every time. So let's make a commitment to start strong and end strong. Amen? All right. Let's look at uh, this verse from Proverbs eighteen twenty one, and then James 3, 6. Then you can be seated. Let's read it together, can we? The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now here comes James chiming in on this, and let's read it together. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch your tongue. (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Bless it to our hearts. I pray that this congregation, this church, and our radio listening audience are changed by the truth of your word on the power of words. And we thank you for it. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. And those of you listening by radio, just pray, speak to me right now. I open my heart to you in Jesus name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, perk up and listen. God's going to speak to you tonight. Amen. All right, I'm going to, I put a lot up here on PowerPoint because I want you to be able to take notes. I want you to be able to get this down. And let me remind you that this Sunday, we're going to be in the talk on the hill again. And I'm going to talk about Judge not that you be not judged. And I think we'll probably call call it, get that two by four out of your eye. Get that two by four out of your eye. So don't miss Sunday. And how many of you know somebody who needs Jesus? How many of you know a family being attacked by the devil? Amen? All right, I want to encourage you, invite people to church this week. Uh, I think if I were not pastoring this church, I would not be in the least bit embarrassed to bring somebody to this church. It's a good church, and invite them, because they're liable to get saved. Amen? All right, let's look at the power of the tongue. This is going to change us. We're going to go through two chapters a night. I want to encourage you to read ahead. Read these ne- the first two chapters when you get home, and read chapters three and four before next Wednesday. They're very short. They're like three pages, maybe four pages at the most, so you can whip right through it, read them in a, in a, uh, for your devotional time in the morning. And I'm assuming that everybody in here has a devotional time where you fill your tank and uh, you get with God. And why not just go ahead and use this book for the next six weeks uh, for your devotional time and see if God won't speak to you before you go out uh, into the world where the devil is waiting to harass you unless you're full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. The most destructive power on earth is not the nuclear bomb, It's not AIDS, it's not tsunami waves, it's not earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, or any other natural disaster. Those are not the most powerful forces on earth. The most powerful force on earth is in between your teeth. It is the tongue. Did you know that? How do wars even begin? The tongue. Why do nations fight nations? The tongue. It is the power of words words can release great blessing or curses into our lives did you know that do you know the bible has more to say about words than you can even imagine if you start tracking just get out of strong's dictionary a strong's concordance and track word words uh, or the tongue and you'll be amazed at how often the bible talks about what you utter what you say all of us have an incredible responsibility with this gift that god didn't give to dogs he didn't give it to cats he didn't give it to fish, he didn't give it to birds, he gave it to you, and he gave it to me. The power of words. We are unique in that. Gorillas don't speak, apes don't speak, you speak, and I speak. And that is one of the ways that we have been made in the image of God. Okay? It says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. We know our God as a God who speaks, and when He speaks, He creates. Jesus was called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. How interesting that when when John talks about Messiah, he talks about words, that Jesus was an incarnate Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Our God is distinguished in that he speaks. David talks about idols, and he says they don't see, they don't hear, and idols don't speak. But our God speaks, and God gave you and I the ability to utter words, to enunciate words. And with those words, and with that ability, is an incredible responsibility, okay? Jesus said, let me tell you something. Every one of your careless words is going to come back to haunt you. How many of you found that to be true? (laughs) All right. There will be a time of reckoning, Jesus said. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. How are we saved? If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. How do you get saved? With a word of confession that's how powerful words are. The Bible teaches that once spoken, words can never be retrieved. Have you ever fired off an email and three seconds later wish you could grab it and bring it back? Have you ever done that? Uh, There's something about once you hit send, it's over with. If you sent something uh, ill-advisedly, as as soon as you hit send it's too late, it's gone into cyberspace unless you break into their home or apartment and grab that email before they see it it's gone words are more powerful than that because words are launched into the atmosphere they can never be retrieved again they live on for years to come and Jesus said even into eternity because we will give account for every idle word we speak that's powerful Nobody speaks more compellingly about the breathtaking power of the tongue than James. Look at what James said. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. You ever think about that? One little bit in his mouth controls this powerful creature. Now catch the picture, the word picture James is drawing for us. And a small rudder underneath the water, tiny compared to the whole ship, directs that whole ship. Now catch this, everybody. Everybody. It's not the winds that blow the sails that guide the direction of that ship. Winds can blow, but the captain turns the rudder. And as the rudder is turned, so goes the ship. That tells me that we are not at the mercy of storms. We are at the mercy of what comes out of our mouth. Strong winds can blow financial, marital, kids, trouble trials tribulations but those don't direct the direction you go according to James it's the rudder between your teeth that's what directs where you go that's the power of words a word out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it James says It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. Just a spark. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Who was he talking to here? Who was James writing to, the the lost world? Mm Mm-mm. He was talking to believers. Born again, spirit-filled believers, he was talking to. He said, hell can set your tongue on fire. You can have a demonized tongue. Can I say that tonight? You can have a demonized tongue. Any of you that have ever gotten into a fight at home with your spouse and things got out of control and everybody was screaming and yelling and it got bad, can you attest to the fact that you can have a demonized tongue? At the workplace, in rush hour traffic, you can have a demonized tongue. Those of you listening to me by radio right now in traffic, (laughs) watch out. Watch your tongue. Because you can have a demonized tongue. You can have a tongue that has literally been set on fire by the flames of hell. Satan can seize control of your tongue, saved or not. And you got to know that our responsibility let me just put it this way you're the captain that directs the rudder you can't blame somebody else for what you say well if you hadn't this and you hadn't that and you hadn't said this listen there's only one captain who directs what's between your teeth your tongue and that's you you're the captain You are the captain. Here's the responsibility. We're going to learn this in the next six weeks. The responsibility rests with us, that we would walk in the Spirit with what we say and not in the flesh. And and that is a lifelong project, and you will never fully master it. You'll do your best, and you'll do way better. If you really work at it and really ask God to help you, you'll do way better at it than most people. But even the best of us slip in what we say. But you can sure take care of a lot of it. Amen. In this series, we're going to learn the power of words for good and bad. Scripture, scripture is crystal clear on this, on various sins of the tongue. We will learn what they are, the different sins of the tongue, so that we can avoid the pitfall of committing them, falling into them, stumbling into them. And the Bible also speaks, and this is the flip side of the coin, the Bible speaks abundantly to the power of blessing that is released on the life of a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled tongue. When you give your life and your tongue over, your words over to blessing, to speaking blessings and saying the right things, keeping your mouth shut when you should, speaking when you should, then there is a blessing, and I want you to get this, everybody. I'm not just here to point out the negatives. I'm here to point out the positives. I want you to know that there is incredible blessing that comes on the life of a believer when you learn to control what comes out of your mouth. Give your tongue over to God. The the Bible says that we are to commit our members to the Lord as instruments of righteousness and not of unrighteousness. The tongue is one of the members in our body and we're to commit it to the Lord as an instrument of righteousness. Okay? So here's fact number one. The sins of the tongue are the church's greatest blind spot. Now, I want you to say that with me, can you? The sins of the tongue are the church's greatest blind spot. I've, listen, I've been, I've been pastoring for a quarter of a century now. This September, I'm going to be preaching on a Sunday morning uh, elsewhere at my first church, the first, my church in East Texas, uh, for the 25th anniversary. I can't believe 25 years ago I went there and started a church. 25 years ago. I'm 54, but I feel 30. (laughs) And, And 25 years ago, I went there and started a church, and I'm going to be preaching for them, Sunday morning. I hope you all will let me go and bless me as I go because that's 25 years and that church is doing great, going strong, uh, winning people to Christ is doing great. But I'm going to be speaking there and it's, it's amazing to me. I can look back over 25 years of pastoral experience and I can tell you if the church has a blind spot, it is with this very thing of words, what you speak, what you listen to, uh, what you involve yourself in conversationally. What comes out of your mouth? It, it is the church's biggest blind spot. And because of this, because we've got a level of ignorance in this area, I think the, Lord, I think the church leaks anointing, leaks power, leaks grace, leaks favor, and, 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 and has a, a, a bad trade-off. We make a bad trade-off. I, I'm going to involve myself in the wrong kinds of talking, and I'm trading away the anointing and the favor of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't afford that. I want every bit of anointing and favor and blessing and power I can muster. Amen? So we're going to learn to talk right. Many never realize they are sinning when they become involved in gossip, slander, whispering, or in being a busybody. Most believers who fall into the trap of the tongue have no idea the painful price tag attached to ignoring God's warnings about this. Due to our ignorance in this matter, Satan has been able to rob us of God's presence. Isn't that a tragedy? Steal our joy, mar our testimony, and drain away our spiritual power. And I want to add one more thing. Really bring damage to our homes. Uh, Have you found out that if you can do it at home, if you can walk in the Spirit at home, if you can control your tongue at home, if you can bless people at home, you can do it anywhere. And you know what we are here tonight? We are a gathering of homes. Even if you're single, you have a home. But we are a gathering of homes. And God wants to bless our homes. And part of that is learning what to say and what not to say. Uh, Think of this illustration for a minute. A boat with a hole in the bottom. How many of you would get into a boat with a hole in the bottom? No, of course not. No matter how much water you pour out of it, You can throw it out with a bucket, it keeps coming in, and the boat keeps sinking. The only solution is to plug the leak, right? That's the only solution, plug the leak. All right, many people's boats, their lives are sinking, and they don't understand why. Now, I'm not saying it's always the tongue, but a lot of the time, it's the tongue. There's a leak in the boat, and it's the tongue. Well, y'all are acting real convicted. <laughs> you know, if I hear anything from people when they contact me, or when they come up to me at church, they say, "You know, I so love it because you'll get up and and you'll tell the truth." Uh, I don't have anything to say to you if it's not in the Word. I just don't have anything to say to you. If it's in the Word, I'm going to share it with you, because Kathy and I love you, and we want to see you blessed. We don't want. Paul said we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We know how he gets into lives, but I think in the church in America, we're ignorant of some of the devices of the devil, and this is one of them. He can invade your life through the power of the tongue. Until the sins of the tongue are stopped, the leaking away of spiritual power, peace, joy, and success will continue. Everybody say with me, tongue disease. Say, don't want no tongue disease. Bad English is good preaching. We don't want no tongue disease. Now let's read some verses about the tongue together. I want you to read these out loud with me. These are powerful. Are you ready? Let's go. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Do you know the Bible told us to shut up? Right there. Let's go to the next one. The words of the godly, let's read them. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. Isn't that beautiful? That words can be as valuable as silver. Let's read the next one. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Next one. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. You know, I picked that translation because I just picture somebody burping bad words, (laughs) belching out bad words, because that's the way it sounds to God. And one of my favorites, I love this one, this is Simon Peter talking who had a, a problem with words. I don't know him, I don't know him, I never knew him, and he cursed while he said it. Now this is that same Simon Peter talking about words. Let's read it. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. How many of you want to see happy days and enjoy life? Do you see with me that Simon Peter right there just equated the words that come out of your mouth with the ability to enjoy life and have happy days? Look what he says about the incredible power of the tongue. Just the words that we just read. Too many words can lead to sin. Godly words are as valuable as silver. Wisely spoken words bring healing. Healing. Gentle words put out the flame of anger. If somebody's really mad at you, just coming against you, raging and yelling, the most powerful thing you can do is speak gently. Oh, hmm, really? Okay, now settle down. Be cool. Don't worry, be happy. I'm not going to yell just because you're yelling. Just because you're yelling doesn't mean I have to. Y'all quit yelling at me. Amen, Pastor Jeff. We're going to have to edit out these long, sustained amens that I'm getting during this message. Uh, The words of a wise person, the words that come out of a wise, wise person's mouth make knowledge attractive. And words are directly linked to the ability to enjoy life and see happy days. Isn't that amazing? America doesn't believe that. America thinks money is what does that. America thinks a big home or a nice car is what does that. But notice that Peter said, no, if you want to enjoy your life and have happy days, watch what you say. Isn't that amazing? Now let's look at the first and foremost tongue disease the Bible mentions. Gossip. Everybody say with me. Gossip. Now I want you to sustain the S's, okay? Gossip. See how it sounds like a hiss? Can you hear a snake in there? Gossip. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? Did you know that's in the Bible? Proverbs 18.8. I think that's uh, the Living Bible listening to gossip is like eating junk candy the dictionary describes gossip as conversation or reports about other people's private lives which might be unkind disapproving or not true now i know this doesn't happen in the church but i want you to get the cd and just take it to somebody out there in the world because we in the church are free of all this not true is it isn't a shame blood-bought, spirit-filled, going to heaven, not to hell, forgiven of all of our sins, but we involve ourselves in this kind of thing. And it goes on all the time in churches. Somebody said, the church has a grapevine Ernest and Julio Gallo would envy. (laughs) If you want something to really travel through the church, something bad about somebody, you want something to really travel, just tell one or two people. Let the gossip do the rest of the work for you. You're not going to have to get on the phone. They will. (laughs) all right that's what gossip is now watch this a gossip is somebody who magnifies and sensationalizes rumors and partial information now i'm going to read that again a gossip is someone who magnifies and sensationalizes rumors and partial partial information that's a gossip the word gossip, now I'm a word person, you know this. I love words, and I tracked this word gossip. did a little study on it, and this, I found this to be amazing. The word gossip is derived from an Old English word dating before the 12th century, and it was called Godsib. Gossip evolved from a word called Godsib. Uh, our radio listeners, it's G O D S I B B, Godsib. That's what gossip came from. Now, God-sib is two words, a combination of the word God and sib, from which we get sibling. And it means kinsman or related. It was used way back 12th century. It was used to describe people who were up close, intimate, or near to each other. That's one of my God-sibs. He's a God-sib, she's a God-sib. They're up near to me, close to me. They're in my orbit. They know my stuff. This person knows my stuff. God-sib eventually evolved into the word gossip. And when gossip first came out of God-sib, it referred to a godparent or a companion or a crony, somebody up close or near. Not at all what we now understand gossip to be. Gossip just became gossip through usage. And when you use gossip, when it first evolved, you were just talking about a kinsman or somebody near to you. That's a gossip. There's my gossip. He or she is a gossip to me. Y'all with me? But as the meaning continued to evolve, the word gossip was used to describe a person close to, "...to a source who gathered information of a personal or sensational nature and spread it." Do you see how this evolved? God said, you had somebody near you. Then it evolved into gossip, and you called somebody, well, there's my gossip, my near kinsman, my, my brother, my sister, my friend, whatever. But then as it evolved further in English usage, the word came to mean somebody up close who knows my stuff, who can't be trusted with the knowledge. That's how the word evolved. So now, later, 18th century, 19th century, as the word evolved, it came to to mean somebody near to me, somebody close to me, somebody who knows my secrets. But they can't be trusted with them. They go and they report what they know. So gossip took on a negative usage. I got somebody close to me, somebody on the inside... Somebody who knows me without my makeup on, somebody who knows the way my marriage really is, knows the way, knows my real struggles, knows me beyond the social mask, but this person is a gossip in that they were near and they went and they reported it and they told it and they broke a trust and they hurt me. What we call gossip, the King James Version of the Bible, calls tail-bearing. A tail-bearer is a person who is literally a bearer of tails. The word tail-bearer is taken from two Hebrew words. The first means to roll to pieces. You know, I picture a steamroller. I used to, for some reason, when I was a little kid in, in New York, I used to be terrified of steamrollers. I think I just pictured myself getting caught under one and just being a pancake, you know. But but those steamrollers seem so all-powerful to me. They would just roll down the street and crush anything in their path. And, and that's, that's the, the idea behind a tailbearer. The first Hebrew word attached to the word tailbearer means to roll to pieces. The second word refers to somebody who travels about, travels around carrying tails. Otherwise known as a scandal monger. So the talebearer is somebody who travels around with tales about other people and tells on them, and in so doing, rolls their reputation flat. Putting all this together, talebearers are people who travel around stirring up scandal. Through gossip, crushing people to pieces as they go. Now, let me ask you a million dollar question here in church tonight. How many of you have ever seen somebody crushed to pieces by a talebearer? You've seen it, and I'm gonna tell you something. It's as serious as somebody walking up with a pistol and shooting you in the head. People have committed suicide, people's reputations and careers have been ruined, churches have been completely destroyed. Through the words of talebearers, we we got to understand that that you can have a physical gun and shoot somebody, but you can commit tongue murder, and you can kill somebody with your tongue. You can roll them to pieces, and there's nothing more hurtful than to fall prey to that. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But but look what it says, Proverbs eleven thirteen. Can we read this together? He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy and faithful in spirit keeps the matter hidden. Now I wanna talk about that just for a minute. The second person. We've all seen the tail bearers, the gossips, they traffic and gossip, traffic and tail bearing. Uh, their, their MO seems to be, I gotta take you down to build myself up. I gotta make you look bad so I make myself look good. And you know folks, that when you're a child of God, you don't ever have to do that because promotion comes from, neither from the East or from the West, but it comes from God. And when God wants to promote you, you don't have to run somebody down to get yourself lifted up. You don't have to do it because when God's ready to promote you, you're going to be promoted, friend. Look what look what Saul did to David. He was a talebearer and a gossip and a slanderer against David for ten years while David slept under the stars, running from the sword of Saul, sleeping with one eye open, never knowing when that mad king was going to find him and run him through with a sword and end his life. But until he could find David, David tells us in the Psalms that Saul destroyed him verbally, by his tongue, by gossip and talebearing and slandering and whispering and backbiting so that not one mother in Israel would let David have anything to do with her son the the song of David's day was don't let your don't let your boy grow up to be like David because of the tongue of Saul he hounded him verbally what was he doing he was trying to put him down so that he could look better in front of the people that's always going to backfire on you listen you can win a fight with a skunk but you're going to stink afterwards (laughs) there's people they they win their fights swinging a skunk around and they slander and they gossip and they backbite but you know what the person that swung that skunk around always stinks themselves amen pastor jeff that's good stuff the 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 the, the smell lingers on them for quite some time now let me ask you a question is gossip really that big a deal everybody gossips good grief half of television no three quarters of television is gossip driven is it really that big a deal yes i want you to consider something in three separate scripture passages paul listed gossip among several other heinous acts In his letter to the Romans, he describes the behaviors of those God had given over to a depraved mind. Look how he describes people who have a depraved mind. He says, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are what, everybody? Gossips. Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Notice, this is a sandwich of terrible adjectives. And right in the middle of the sandwich, the peanut butter and jelly is gossip. He puts gossip in there with God haters, arrogant, boastful, strife, murder. Wow. Paul also wrote to the Corinthians, telling them that he hoped to visit them soon. But he feared they may not find them, or that he may not find them behaving as they ought. And then he describes these behaviors that he was afraid he would find. And they included quarreling, jealousy outbursts of anger factions slander and what gossip arrogance and disorder he said man i'm coming to the church i'm coming to the corinthian church you people are flowing in the gifts did you know that he he said you people are flowing in the gifts you're zealous for spiritual gifts you're the ones that, that made me write about all the spiritual gifts in 1 corinthians 12 you people are gifted massively but i sure hope when i come i don't find these things among you and one of them is gossip now, I don't know about you, but I know this. Paul is one of the last people I'd want to take on vacation with me. I'd much rather take John. I can picture John in a Hawaiian shirt, kicked back in a hammock saying, hey, praise the Lord. But Paul, I just I can't imagine myself chewing the fat with Paul. Amen? But now watch this. He says, he says here, he says, when I come to be among you, I don't want to find, among other things, gossip. He was serious. And when Paul wrote to Timothy about young widows in the church, he urged these women to either remarry or devote their lives to the church. Why? Otherwise, he warned, they will get into the habit of being idle, going from house to house, having tea parties, coffee parties, getting together to chat. And look what he says, not only do they become idlers, but also, what everybody say it loud, preach to me, gossips. And busybodies. What's a busybody? You get yourself in other people's business. That ain't your business. Saying things they ought not. Paul also told Timothy that deacons' wives must be reverent, not slanderers. And slanderers there means malicious gossips. That's deacons' wives. What about elders' wives? What about a pastor's wife? I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to take this minute to brag on Kathy for a second. You could look, in my opinion, I've been around a while, you could look statewide and find very few women the quality of pastor's wives that she is. Because she won't gossip. (laughs) She won't do it. She'll watch her tongue. Because we know that in the position we're in, if we gossip, it has twice the power. And so if a deacon's wife can't gossip, where does that put the elders' wives and the pastor's wives and all the women in the church? you got to watch that gossip. Now let's look at the anatomy of a rumor. Everybody blessed tonight. I <laughs> say either amen or oh me. <laughs> I know it's serious stuff, but uh, this is good. The anatomy of a rumor. The spread of gossip happens like this. A talebearer spreads misinformation or a falsehood. Now let's follow this. A talebearer spreads misinformation or a falsehood, which degenerates into a rumor. Now, we're in a church structure here. Let's just say this is in church. So here comes the beginning of a rumor or of gossip. A talebearer says something. It's either partly true, not true at all, either one. It degenerates into a rumor. Now, what's a rumor? A rumor is a story or an opinion that is widely spread with no verifiable source. Something is spreading around, and you you say to somebody, well, where'd you get that? Well, you know, uh, I can't can't give my source. (laughs) Have you heard that? Let me tell you something. If you're a truth teller, you don't mind being quoted. You don't mind being quoted. Now, the original source of a rumor rarely owns up to what he or she has been spreading, preferring to hide in the shadows while the rumors multiply and do the job for them. The so-called reliable source is therefore out of reach, so the truth can't be verified. So if somebody says to you, hey, I got something to tell you. Come here. Say, now whatever you're about to tell me, do you mind if I quote you You'd be surprised about 90% of the people that say that to you, you'll shut them down right there. Do you mind if I quote you before you tell me what you're about to tell me? Can I quote you? Oh, well, you know, I'm not really telling you this to be quoted. I'm telling you so you can be informed. But, but I don't want to be informed only because if what you're telling me is true, I want to be able to give my source. Well, you know, just uh, just pray with me. All right. Hence the rumor, which has now become fact in the minds of those that have heard it takes on the life of its own and wreaks its havoc unchecked because the rumor can't be brought to a source who can verify what has been said. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If it's a rumor about somebody's reputation, if it's about something somebody has supposedly done or not done, you ought to be able to go to the source and get a verifiable source. And if you can't do that, you ought not ever say it because this is somebody's reputation this is their life, their future. Sometimes it's their income, it's their job. When I was in college, my professor did uh, um, an experiment. He got 15 of us in front of the room, 15 college mush mines in, in the front of a room. And he told the first person a simple story. And he said, now, I'm gonna step away and I want this person to go to the person next to you and tell them what you just heard and so on and so on, all the way down the line to the 15th person. And then I want the 15th person to step forward and tell the story. And so he told the first person a very simple story. I was somewhere in the middle. And it came down to us, and it came down to us, and it came down to us, and down to, and finally down to the 15th person. And when the 15th person and the first person got up and shared stories, they couldn't even be recognized. Because every time it passes from mouth to mouth, brain to brain, it changes until finally what you've got running around in a church or in an office is so far from the original truth that you're only dealing in lies or half-truths. There's something within the fallen flesh of you and me that loves to hear the latest tidbits of gossip, and we like to tell it. And we get a phone call, or we call somebody, and we say, hey, I want you to pray pray about something with me. Oh, sure. What is it? Oh, it's about so-and-so. Oh, I've had a burden about them. (laughs) This is a a confirmation to me, because I've already been sensing in prayer. Well, hallelujah, then I found, then let me tell you what I have heard. Oh, tell me so I can pray. (laughs) And you tell it over the phone. The person hangs up. And, boy, do they go into prayer. They pick up that phone, and they increase the prayer line. Let me tell you what I just heard. And here we are. We're in a church now. We're in a church where everybody's going to see each other Sunday. And here over here is the guy or the gal about whom this rumor is spreading. They have no idea what's been going on through the grapevine during the week. And so, after three, four, five, 10, 15 calls, by the time the 15th person has got it, this person is a serial murderer, a serial rapist. This person has committed serious, felonious crimes. And he walks in, or she walks in, sits in church, and wonders why nobody is around them. And everybody's looking at them with the look, the look. And they have been drawn and quartered, crucified, judged, and, uh, and deemed guilty. And that's how it happens in a church. Now let me ask you, what does the Spirit of God do with that? And we come together after this kind of crucifixion during the week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. And here's somebody over here who has been murdered. what does the holy ghost do with that well the holy ghost surely can't settle down on that congregation can't move like he wants to he's grieved how many of you want to be able to come into? i know this is hard i know this is convicting because all of us have been involved in gossip we've all done this but we're trying to learn so can you can, can you just let me teach you because this is the way it works Look at this next verse. Solomon observed, there's nothing so delicious as the taste of gossip. It melts in your mouth, not in your hands. <laughs> couldn't help it. So I want us to stand together tonight and let's uh, read this little, um, I guess it's a poem about gossip and then we're going to pray. And this is just scratching the surface next week. We're going to talk about the character of those who gossip. If they gossip to you, they'll gossip about you. Have y'all learned yet? If somebody will lie for you, they'll lie to you. If somebody will gossip to you, they'll gossip about you. Have you learned that yet? And and so we're going to get wise in words because we want the anointing of God to be able to really rest on this church. Now, you say, are you doing this series for a reason? (laughs) How many of you got a flu shot? What was that flu shot? It was preemptive. Hopefully, it kept you from getting the flu. That's why I'm teaching this. Our church is very healthy right now. I'm giving you a flu shot. It stings a little bit, but it's going to help you. All right, let's read it together, can we? My name is Gossip. I have no respect for justice. I aim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I'm quoted, the more I'm believed. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and I have no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is no longer the same. I topple governments and wreck marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, heartaches, and indigestion. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Every, or even my name, hisses. I'm called gossip. I make headlines and headaches. Before you repeat a story, ask yourself, is it true? Is it harmless? Is it necessary? If it isn't, don't repeat it. My name is gossip. Now. I want you to say something with me in closing. If I'm not a part of the problem or a part of the solution, it's gossip. Okay? Father, we just pray right now that you will help us. This this kind of message, Lord, it stings because we've all done it. And it's so hard to control that tongue sometimes, Lord, but you have assured us that we are the captain of that tongue. And Lord, it's going to go where we tell it to and it's going to guide our lives like the rudder of a ship. And we ask you to help us to have wisdom with what we say. I want you to take a minute, church, and say, Lord, at the beginning of this series, I give you my tongue. And I ask you to help me to be a person of wisdom so that I can have happy days and see good life, enjoy life. Lord, forgive us for the words that we have spoken that were uh, gossip, slander, tale-bearing, Forgive us, Lord, for idle words, for unwise words, hastily spoken words, angry words. Forgive us, Lord, for um, getting carnal with what we've said. Help us to go up a step through this series and learn not just the negative but the positive. A tongue of blessing like choice silver that we can bring health and healing from our words. Take a minute as we sing through just a worship song. Take a minute and say, Lord, uh, search me and know me and and show me if I need to ask forgiveness for any of the misuse of words. And then we're going to close.